From Upstate Medical University, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. Is there a link between talcum powder and ovarian cancer? We've seen news coverage and jury awards that connect the two, but it might not be so straightforward. Here to discuss this subject is Dr. Jennifer Macon. She's an instructor of obstetrics and gynecology at Upstate, and she's also a global health fellow at Mass General. Um, I really appreciate you being here. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. So we'll get right to it. Um, talc, the mineral in talcum powder or baby powder, um, used in the genital area, does that increase a woman's risk of ovarian cancer? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, it is possible that it increases the risk of ovarian cancer. The uh, International Agency for Research on Cancer classifies it possibly as a carcinogen. Um, case control studies, which have looked at over 8,000 cases compared to 8,000 controls have shown that it can increase your lifetime cancer risk up to about 20%. So, yes, but I heard you say it was a possible carcinogen, so there's still some qualification as to whether... There is some qualification um, because, uh, first of all, these um, some of these case control studies have been conflicted. Uh, the majority of them showing an association out of this pooled um, meta-analysis they did in 2016, five out of the eight studies showed an association. And that's just uh, referring to the case control studies. Um, prospective observational studies, including the Women's Health Initiative and the uh, Nurses' Health Study, um, have not shown any association uh, prospectively. There's some debate on whether it's because they didn't have a large enough of uh, study size, but um, right now there's there's no proof of causation. So there's no proof that it actually causes ovarian cancer. So that's where so this controversy comes. It sounds like there's some studies that suggest there is, and then there's some that suggest that there's not. Yeah. So what do you tell patients then? Uh, I tell patients that... Um, Using talcum powder on the genital area uh, is not recommended. Um, and, you know, that they should, if moisture odor is a problem, uh, we can investigate the possible causes of that. Or they should, you know, pursue other options for um, their hygiene. And we should say, I mean, women might, some women use um, this powder to stay dry or prevent chafing. But what you're saying is they're maybe look into the underlying causes of of the need for that exactly to get to it. Um, are there sort of over-the-counter uh, things that you suggest for women that just feel like they're they want to stay dry or? Uh, you know, so. when it comes to uh, genital hygiene, I really encourage wearing cotton underwear. Um, you can use panty liners if they um, keep you comfortable. But a certain amount of physiologic discharge is normal, and um, you know douching should be avoided. Any chemicals really should be avoided. Okay. Well, let's look at um, talcum powder and what what is it made of? What is it that's in there that's um, possibly causing these these problems? Uh, so talc is a mineral. It's composed of magnesium, silicone, and oxygen. And in its powder form, it's very dry, and that's why it can absorb moisture. Um, and 
Um, the history of it really goes back to the fact that earlier in the 1960s, um, asbestos used to be sometimes found in talc. And with the um, link between asbestos and mesothelioma and some of the similarities between that cancer and ovarian cancer, this is why talc first came um, under concern as a possible link to ovarian cancer. There's been some uh, really interesting studies around it. Animal studies, um, when they place talc in the abdominal cavity, it's not consistent in all studies, but can sometimes form precancer or cancer. Um, and there's been studies where, um, this was also done in the 60s, where um, surgeons used to place talcum powder in the vagina uh, before performing a hysterectomy, and they would actually find the talcum in the fallopian tubes at, um, at the end of the surgery. Why would they put talcum in the vagina during surgery or before surgery? Well, the question is if, because at the time it was unknown, if talcum powder can ascend through the genital tract, through the dissolve in the vagina, ascend through the cervix, the uterus, and end up in the fallopian tubes. Okay. And so we know that it can or does. That study showed it. Um, um, there hasn't been anything more recent since then. But um, also there has been... Uh, ovarian cancer samples where they've found talcum powder present. So likely can. The When you said the surgeons would put the talcum in the vagina, was that um, just to, for this study? Mm-hmm. Or was oh, yeah, there was some reason? A, okay, It was okay. a limited study. Interesting. Well, I had no idea that asbestos was similar, or that mes- mesothelioma shared similarities with ovarian cancer, um, and that there was that... The, asbestos connection mm-hmm. um but i think when people hear asbestos you i mean we know that that's not a good thing yeah um and asbestos has not been in talcum powder since the 70s in the united states okay all right now i've also read um baby powder not all baby powder has talc in it um some of it's made with cornstarch right or mm-hmm. okay so uh, that, but we're well, talking true. only about that. We're talking only about the talcum powder. Yeah, we're only speaking of talcum powder with an association to ovarian cancer. Okay. Um, I wouldn't recommend using cornstarch candidly either. (laughs) Why is that? Uh, It probably can change the vaginal pH and promote growth of uh, the wrong type of bacteria. Wow. So it sounds like there's maybe a lot of misinformation out there or uh, people using like home remedies, thinking powders are something that's going to be helpful, but maybe not. I, I think not. Okay. Um, well, I also wanted to talk with you about ovarian cancer. Um, first of all, let me remind our listeners, this is Upstate's HealthLink on ha- Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, and I'm talking with Upstate's Dr. Jennifer Macon uh, about the link between talcum powder and ovarian cancer. Now, ovarian cancer is one of those cancers that uh, doesn't have a whole lot of signs and symptoms early, right? It's true. Uh, So what do we know about the cause of ovarian cancer beyond the fact that some women have linked or some doctors have linked um, the use of talcum powder to ovarian cancer? That's not always the case. What are, do we know anything about the cause? That's a really great question because the, then there's a lot of research in this area. They used to think that ovarian cancer um, the most common types, which is high-grade serous, um, 
originated from the surface of the ovary and was caused likely by the constant insult of ovulation. So um, conditions where you ovulated often and there was injury to the surface lining of the ovary, that was the original theory. Huh. Um, and it's changed now that the origin of ovarian cancer now likely comes from the fallopian tubes. The fallopian tubes, they've identified these precancerous lesions, um, mostly coming from the fimbriated end where there's a transformation zone where, where cells are constantly turning over. And um, they're commonly found in women who are BRCA positive and have a higher risk for ovarian cancer. The mutations accumulate there. And That's those the, cells the probably spill over onto the ovary. These Interesting. malignant cells. And um, some of the other theories are that ascending chemicals through the vagina um, up the genital tract um, cause toxic exposure over time in the tubes and um, lead to these precancerous and then cancerous changes. So the ascending chemicals might not necessarily be only talcum. There may be some other products or things Certainly that are Certainly not. Yeah, there's concern about dioxin and sanitary pads and tampons. And there's a concern, you know, even things like um, pelvic inflammatory disease and STDs and um, inflammation from infections. That they may be contribute to the yeah. risk. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Um, well, you mentioned the BRCA, the BRCA gene. That's the mm -hmm. breast cancer gene. But um, that's right. I've heard that women with that gene have an increased risk. Increased risk. And so um, things that decrease your, your lifetime risk of ovarian cancer include being on um, oral contraceptives um, and also having a tubal ligation or having your fallopian tubes removed. Um, can decrease the risk of ovarian cancer, and um, you mean and birth control, being on birth control yes, helps. Yes. Wow. How Oral does, pills. How does that help? How do the? It's a hormonal thing, right? Mm -hmm. How does that? Um, well, the original theory was that you ovulate less frequently, um, but hmm. how it controls the lesions in the tube, I, I'm not sure that's known. Okay. But um, so. Do we have any screening? Is there any way to screen for it? You mentioned the um, precancerous lesions that have been found in fallopian tubes, but there's no screening for that right now, right? No, there's no screening for that right now. Um, there, there have been large studies looking at screening with blood tumor markers and ultrasounds, but unfortunately what happens is ovarian cancer is rare, and you end up finding false positives, and there's more harmful interventions that come from, from these screening methods. So right now, the most important thing is to know your family history, um, to, um, to, you know, maintain a healthy lifestyle, and to be conscious for the symptoms, which are vague, but are abdominal distension, bloating, change in your bowel habits. Okay. Yeah, those are very vague. Um, how is it usually detected? How do you usually find out that you have ovarian cancer? Um, well, and I, we're speaking, I assume, of the most common kind, the high-grade serous ovarian cancer. Um, a lot of women, in, when they're older, in their 60s and 70s, present with um, pain, abdominal distension, and they have imaging, and it, it usually finds the tumor. 
So it's po mostly postmenopausal older older women mm -hmm. where this is discovered. If you have family history, it may be younger. Okay. What uh what typically happens after it's diagnosed? Is it something that can be treated um, surgically or? Um, so high grade serous ovarian cancers. Uh, best managed by a specialist, a, a gynecologic oncologist. The um, first step, as long as the, the doctor thinks that the tumor can be removed surgically, is to, to have an operation where they remove the pelvic organs and they sample the lymph nodes and they remove the fat pad called the omentum, which hangs from the stomach. And following that, that's followed by chemotherapy. It is. And it, um, is that usually successful? Um, well, most high-grade ovarian, serous ovarian cancer is stage 3 or higher when it presents, and the survival rate is about 30%. So stage 3 or higher, does that mean it has spread mm -hmm. or potentially has spread? Yeah. Okay. Um, it means that it's uh, past the pelvis into okay. the entire abdomen. Okay. Um, does having had ovarian cancer mean you're at risk for other cancers? And um, I guess the converse, too. If you've had other cancers, does that increase your risk for ovarian? Um, so, you know, there, there is the genetic link with breast cancer. Um, and actually, now, for every woman who is diagnosed with high-grade serous ovarian cancer, the recommendation is to receive BRCA genetic testing. So if that is positive... Um, you know, based on your life expectancy and your plan, some women do undergo either higher screening for breast cancer or choosing mastectomies. Okay. And uh, for women who are diagnosed with ovarian cancer, what percent of them would you say um, can trace it to talcum powder use? Is, is that well, it's, a, it's a, making a lot of assumptions. Um, you're, you're assuming how much of the population currently is using talcum powder. Um, so if you're estimating maybe 40% of the population uses talcum powder and you are going with the assumption that 20%, uh, you have a 20% increased risk, um, then you could say about, uh, 7% of annual cases are attributable to talcum powder possibly, Seven. but it's a lot of assumptions. Um, how much the population is using it, you're making the assumption that that 20% is really um, uh, associated. Wow. Well, good to know. Thanks for the information. My guest has been Dr. Jennifer Macon, an instructor of obstetrics and gynecology at Upstate. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.